The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing page optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome everyone to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. I'm your host, Tim Ash from Site Tuners, and today it is my great pleasure to welcome back a... Uh, well, I guess I'll have to call him a longtime friend and colleague, a veteran conversion designer, uh, in fact, the founder of Intuitive Design, Larry Marine. Welcome to the show, Larry. Hi, good to be back. Thanks, Tim. Um, well, one of the things that I wanted to talk with you about today was um, how, if you had a nickel for every time somebody said, is the green button better than the red one, would you be retired by now? <laughs> oh yeah, and I'd be uh, sponsoring uh, other companies to be designing websites as well. <laughs> now, why is it that everybody's always fixated on the tactical stuff? You know, uh, is, well, is it because it's easier to handle? I mean, it's obvious and it's well contained. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think you're on the right track there. I think it's because that's the visible part of uh, web page design. You know, the buttons, the, the logos, the, uh, the artifacts, the halo uh, objects, all of those kind of things are visible and tangible. But what's missing a lot of times are the more invisible or strategic aspects of design. Well, well, let, let, let's talk about, again, this fixation on the tactical, though, uh, a little bit more. Um, I think there, I mean... Well, I just I'm rereading Steve Krug's book, Rocket Surgery Made Easy, and he talks about usability testing. And he says when you find usability problems, you know, don't uh, try to build the Taj Mahal, right? Don't redesign your whole site. Just address the immediate problem. So, is it come from kind of also that tweaking mentality of it's just it's a lot easier and quicker to tweak something than it is to put thought into it? Well, you know, that's, that's very true, and that, has, uh, um, that truth holds for just about everything. It's easier to critique, say, a paper that somebody has written than it is to create one from scratch. It's easier to take a recipe and make changes to it than it is to come up with it all on its own. So it's a lot easier and a little more comfortable for a lot of folks to take something that exists and just say, oh, let's tweak it. Yeah, so kind of is the sorry, go ahead. Uh, you know, kind of like the Japanese were known for doing. I mean, they weren't necessarily known for great innovation, but you know, in the a Japanese auto industry exploded in the U.S. and it was because of these like continual tweaks. What do they call that? Kansai, Kansai, maybe a, the wrong term. Uh, yeah. Something like that. I can't remember, but you're right. <laughs> uh, my Japanese is long gone, so I, I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, and, and the unfortunate part about that approach is if you start off with the wrong solution, uh, as they say in Maine, you can't get there from here. You, no, matter how <laughs> much you, no matter how much you tweak the wrong solution, all you, all you get is a better wrong solution. Right, right. And so we do in in the world of uh, kind of optimization theory. If you imagine kind of your possible outcomes as having 
a goodness uh, or a height. Imagine an elevation or mountains. If you happen to be in on a little hill, you'd have to go downhill to get across the valley and over to the big mountain. And so everything looks worse from where you are. So you, these tactical tweaks can kind of paint you into a corner. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I see that happen all the time. You know, somebody will do a lot of work to do some usability testing on something that was, you know, going in the wrong direction to begin with, and all they end up with is they solve the wrong problem very well. <laughs> all right, well, so, you know, and I think, though, okay, to be fair, uh, you're a pretty strategic guy. You and I both studied with Don Norman at UC San Diego, who's the, kind of the godfather of user-centered design, but there aren't a lot of strategic folks. We're, we're all running really fast. I think another thing that contributes to tactical-itis, if you will, is the fact that we have very limited attention spans and not a lot of time to do stuff. Um, I'm going to disagree with that just a little bit. I think a lot of people recognize strategic components of design, but they, like you said, they're in too much of a hurry to sit back and think about those strategic components first. But they do recognize them, and every once in a while I have clients who bring up something that is strategic and not so much tactical, but they don't know that it's strategic. They don't recognize that it is a different type of thinking. But I think people have it within them to think strategically, but they're just moving too fast, like you said. Well, and also, I think we have to think about the time scale that this stuff operates on. And a lot of times in a business, when you're talking about conversion of a website, uh, nurturing a lead over several months, I mean, there's no tangible payoff for sliding someone through the middle of the funnel. The only ding, ding, ding bell we get is, you know, if they buy at the end or fill out a lead form, right? So we're focused on those little tactical touch points because they're the overt ones. Well, <laughs> that's true. And a lot of times people have a cash cow of a website. It, it is generating revenue. And they're not willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But they are willing to make those tactical improvements that might increase, you know, a half a percent or one percent of revenue. But what they sometimes fail to realize is that by taking that, that step back and looking at it more strategically, instead of having a website that converts at 2 or 5 percent, they could get something that converts at, you know, 12, 15, 20 percent. Yeah, so I mean, I, I have a perfect example of that. In fact, I was on a call just before we, we started the, the show today uh, with one of our clients and uh, their you know, pain treatment surgery for back pain, and they're one of the leading providers of that in the country. But, you know, they're... Uh, I, there's another thing operating here, which I'll call greedy marketer syndrome, which we're all guilty of, which is we want to grab the bottom of that sales funnel and squeeze it like a tit till all the money comes out. And, and you know, it's we don't have we don't want to nurture, we don't want to farm, we don't want to harvest. We just want to kill and feast. Is, <laughs> is that part of it too? Yeah, and unfortunately, people don't realize that if you're squeezing the bottom of that funnel, you're not letting out all the big profits that they could generate. Yeah, you're backing up, and in, in, in fact, well, fixed metaphors, you're constipating the top of the funnel. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so a lot of times what's required is really kind of a, a change in, in business model. I mean, a lot of times the question you should be asking perhaps is not uh, how do I get more of these conversions, but is this even the right conversion action to ask for at this stage of the game? Oh, definitely, and I think that's the uh, the crux of it is people uh, don't take the time to understand what's the flow that the user is going through cognitively 
as they are uh, trend, you know, moving from the, the keyword to the website or to the landing page and to the product page, et cetera. So they're looking at it like, oh, we've got their eyeballs. Let's go ahead and sell them. So they don't plan out the, the, the interaction with the customer. And the customer goes through a series of, of steps um, and we need to control those those uh, perceptions, if you will. And a lot of websites don't do it. They just rush right in there and try to sell the customer in one step. You go right to the homepage and it says, buy now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know what you do and you want me to buy already? Yeah, I mean, I've literally seen things like that on the homepage. It basically says, free trial before you even tell them what your company does. Right, right. Um, and the, there's a, a number of common, you know, strategic mistakes that people are making. But like, number one is trying to sell the customer in one step. And I, I think you've uh, illustrated this before in other uh, talks that you've given, is that users have a state and they flow through the states. The states are awareness, attention, desire, and action. And if they're only, you know, uh, remotely aware of your product or your service, they're not ready to buy yet. They're still, you know, they have to become more attentive to it. And then they have to learn to desire the product. Only then, once they desire it, can you actually get them to commit to a call to action. And the transition triggers we use to m migrate the user from awareness to attention to desire to action are um, we identify with the point of pain. You know, there's a trigger. There's a reason the user is coming to your website. There's a reason they responded to the uh, specific keyword or to some branding or, or messaging that you put out there. All right, that helps migrate them from awareness to attention. Now that you've got their attention, then you need to show them what's in it for me. What's the value proposition? Why is it important for them to think about buying this product? That creates desire. And once you have the desire, then all you need to do is give them a reason to believe or validate the, uh, the value proposition or the company or the product. And that, then they will t uh, respond to the call to action. But if you don't follow through with that flow and you try to sell them too soon, they aren't ready at that. They're not at that action uh, state of mind. They're at the awareness state. And you're actually going to be yelling at them and shouting at them visually. And it's going to be basically, it's going to put them off. It's going to set, set them back. And, you know, why are these people in a hurry to sell me something I'm not sure I need yet? Yeah, and, and the, what are they trying to pull here is kind of the, the thinking. I mean, we're all very cynical. We've been bombarded by marketing and advertising messages and all kinds of call to action, calls to action. We're in a highly activated, interrupt-driven state when we're on the web in the first place. So, you know, our bullshit filters are, are set on high. So if somebody starts saying, you know, you have to act now or this deal's going to go away, you know, then, then I have a problem with that, I would think. All right, when we come back after the break, I want to explore this a little more in the context of what we call the engagement continuum. Stay tuned, listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. 
Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Our clients have earned over $1 billion. Now it's your turn. With over 20,000 products to promote across a huge variety of niches, ClickBank provides countless ways for any affiliate to make money you can promote any product immediately. No contracts required. Looking for recurring commissions? Upsell products? ClickBank's got them. And best of all, you can make up to 75% commissions. Ready to become the next ClickBank success story? Sign up now for free at ClickBank.com. Rock the world with LinkedIn. Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is Tim Ash with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And this week I have my... My good buddy and pal, Larry Marine, the head of Intuitive Design. And, and Larry, we're talking about uh, thinking, I guess, more about the business and thinking about the visitor and when they show up on your site. Now, we've developed internally here kind of a framework that we call the engagement continuum. It's, it's roughly a, a map of, of the sales funnel. You have to explicitly you know, give people side-by-side choices and say, are you early stage, are you mid-stage, or are you late stage in the funnel, and so that they can ignore the rest of the page and focus in on just what's right for them. Is that kind of more the approach you're advocating? Um, yeah, and part of that is because when people come, you know, going back to the engagement continuum of uh, awareness, attention, desire, and action, the early stage are basically they're just now becoming aware that they have a problem and that there might be solutions out there. Mid-stage might be this is somebody's uh, third website that they've been to. They are already somewhat familiar with it. They have attention built up at this point. And then there's more of the late stage. They're really starting to narrow the field down like, okay, I know what the problem is. I know what the solutions look like. Let me find the right solution. So they create a short list and eventually they, they, they all get to that point and then they they uh, click the buy now button. Right. Now, by the way, just to clarify for everybody, I think, Larry, what you've been referring to throughout is, is the sales funnel, the traditional ADA sales funnel, awareness, interest, desire, and action. Um, and, yeah, absolutely, everyone has to pass through those stages. But, I mean, on the homepage especially, I think this is critical, recognizing that somebody can be in a research stage, that they're not going to give you their credit card, they're not going to give you their email address, they just want to consume information. I think it's, you know, just saying free resources here, get educated, is often one of the most neglected parts of the conversion process. Right, right. And a lot of times, too, even if, when people do put inform, uh, informative uh, artifacts on, the, on their homepage or their landing page or the product page, 
what they're really missing still is the user's perception of their problem. And so it's like you're just telling somebody how great your product is, but what you're not doing is relating your product as a solution to their problem. You're not resonating with the user's problem. So uh, one of the things we really look at is as we flow the user through the, the funnel there, how do they perceive their problem? How do they perceive what's valuable to them? Um, and so the information you give should relate to the user's perception. So many sites that what I do, do what I call designing from the inside out. Mm-hmm. They know a lot about their product. They know a lot about their company. And they uh, design their web page and their homepage and their product page and their landing pages uh, from their perspective of how they see their business, not from the user's perspective of are they in a state of learning? <clears throat> are they, uh, have they finished learning and are they at, uh, at a stage of dis- deciding? And have they gone beyond that and are they now at a stage of acting? So we need to think about what the user's perspective is and how they flow through that funnel. Yeah, that's right. So I think that uh, you, the company, like you say, we the problem with us as a company from the inside out is we know too much. We know about our products and we tend to think of products. So we have a division over here that sells this crap. We have another division that sells other crap. And that's how we're going to have client facing. I think weren't, weren't you, um, didn't you work with American Express at one point? And they had, you know, their credit card division, and then they had their uh, investment division, and basically they had all. They thought of themselves as product divisions, but the visitor thought of the, all of my stuff with American Express. You know, they wanted a user-centered view of it, and not these boundaries where they had to do different logins to get into different parts of different divisions. I wish I could take credit for that, but no, what you're describing was uh, Vanguard Mutual Funds, and it was exactly the problem you described. The users uh, had different investment uh, um, vehicles, Vehicles, uh so they had their retirement included money market, mutual funds, and some bonds, right? But their uh, college fund had uh, stocks, money market, some cash, that kind of stuff. They had different investment objectives in those different uh, investment uh, profiles, if you will. However, Vanguard saw themselves as, well, we have five different business units. So users had to log in to each of those five silos, look (laughs) up their account, create a spreadsheet, and then they could look to see how much their retirement was worth, how much their college fund was worth, how much their second home uh, fund was worth. Well, what we did by looking... Uh, uh, from the uh, user's perspective, we helped Vanguard create uh, portfolios so somebody could set up my retirement portfolio, my um, uh, college portfolio, and it brought in a mix of all of those different five business units so that the uh, user didn't have to log in five different times. Yeah, I mean, something even as basic as that, how many times, how often would you revisit a site if five logins were required to pull together the information you needed? How often would you want to voluntarily repeat that task? Not very often. Just something even as simple as avoiding multiple logins because the business views itself by product divisions is a huge you know, savings or benefit to them. Now, I think for most uh, e-commerce sites, that the Vanguard uh, example is somewhat exaggerated. But I'll bet you if you look at most e-commerce sites, they still look, uh, they design their website on how they see their own company and their own products. 
not how the users see it. Well, well, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I see often in e-commerce catalogs is just this ridiculous uh, depth of navigation. Here's 27 product categories. And, you know, a lot of them are just so fine-tuned. It's just like distinction without a difference. Unless you're a super-duper power user of, of the site, you're going to have no way of figuring out which specific tiny subsection to go to. And they're using these very cryptic terms that are kind of terms of art you know they're not language that plain people recognize and and they it's because they know too much well you know that's right and i'd like to give an example of somebody who did it right um my uh, garage door opener is having problems and i need to get a new gear so i went online went all over the place found a gear this one site said if you're going to replace that gear you're going to need these bearings and this lube we'll sell it to you as a package so they understood it from my problem perspective oh wow yeah that i'm sure that would uh piss you off to no end to order something and then not be able to put it to use or break your garage door even more <laughs> by installing it yeah. yeah yeah so so the the larger picture what are people trying to accomplish that's where it begins and ends. So the way that we normally decompose that is by thinking about the roles of the people showing up and the task or the specific scenario or intent they have. Um, right, and recognizing that they don't have as much knowledge about your company or your product or your service as you do. You have to look at it from the perspective of what do they know now, what do they need to know in order to succeed, and how do you as the company Bridge that gap for the user. How do you provide the knowledge that they need in order to succeed, knowing that they don't have it when they begin? Okay, well, let's pick up on, uh, on this after the break. And, uh, yeah, I want to explore, you know, your, the life of Walter Mitty here. I understand that you're an aspiring Cadell Evans wannabe. Uh, this is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And we'll be back in a couple of minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO, landing page optimization, in just a moment. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is AdMedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. MySEOTool.com is your all-in-one SEO management resource. MySEOTool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. Line-by-line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOTool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. Try MySEOTool risk-free today. Go to MySEOTool.com. MySEOTool.com. As you know, being an expert at f What did she say? Requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with f***? Whoa! You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their f*** performance to the next level. The language! Of course, we're talking about managing Facebook ads on Aquizio. 
Oh. Buy, track, manage, optimize, and report on media across all major ad networks. Visit Acquizio.com to get a demo today. Acquizio. Search, social, display, one platform. Advance your affiliate marketing efforts every week on Affiliate Buzz. Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And I'm having a far-ranging conversation with my friend Larry Marine about all kinds of stuff. Uh, but one of the things I'm interested in, I know you're in Colorado and uh, there's a lot of road biking there and stuff like that. But, and the Tour de France just wrapped up. Uh, sorry, Tour de France. And uh, were you watching that the whole time? Because you're a wannabe cyclist, aren't you? I watched every stage. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a few. The mountains, uh, you know, when they got into the Alps, that was, that was some fun times. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed. My old teammate Chris Horner uh, crashed out, and uh, he last year he was the highest placed placed American, and he had a real chance at a, being a contender, and he crashed out early. So it was, that was kind of heartbreaking. So why is it? That, how how do you know these cyclist types? Uh, is there a big concentration of them in Colorado where you are? Well, I used to ride when I lived in San Diego too, and I rode with uh, a team that uh, we had a lot of uh, tour pros come ride with us in the off season. And um, that's how we met a lot of them. So, uh, and it's a fairly small community when you think about it. Cyclists are all buds. You you don't have uh, friends and enemies. They're all friends. Yeah, except for that part where you're on a on a ten percent uphill grade and uh, lactic acids building up like it's going out of style, and somebody tries a breakaway on you, then you're not anymore. Yeah, especially when he just kind of looks back at you and gives you a wink and says, you coming? Uh, uh, turbo's on. All right, well, well, back to landing page optimization. So one of the things that we were talking about before the break was um, this, this notion of, you know, of designing from the user's perspective. Now, how, what's a good way for me to uncover common things that a visitor wants to do with my site or – and misconceptions or whatever, their own framework. Misconception is actually kind of a pretty biased word. Uh, how do I figure out what's important to them? Well, the first thing you have to do is do some user research. And you can do it observationally. You can do it through interviews, uh, you know, journals, that kind of stuff. But the one thing you want to look for really is what trigger event is causing the user to want to go to the web to look at, you know, for a solution. What problem has occurred? What event has occurred? What causes them to do something? And that's, that's where their perception starts. Oh, something's broke. My garage door is in opening. Or I forgot to get my wife a birthday present, so I need some flowers. I mean, what is it that's causing them to go to the site? So then when they come to the site, what you want to do is resonate with that problem perception. Okay, so give, give us some examples or, or as opposed to what for well, like uh, Pro Flowers is a good example because they have such a high conversion rate year in, year out. And when uh, people go to buy flowers, they don't want to buy a flower. They don't want to buy carnations or they don't want to buy daffodils or whatever. They want to buy flowers for a reason. 
I have a birthday I have to buy flowers for. Uh, maybe somebody died. Uh, maybe I forgot my wife's uh, anniversary. Oh, that's going to be an expensive trip to Pro Flowers. <laughs> yeah, and so what Pro Flowers has done, for instance, is they've organized the site around occasions, not around flowers. Now, there is a category so you could buy some specific flowers, but they list bouquets for the occasion. So right there, they've organized the site around the user's perception of the problem. I need flowers for a specific occasion. Right, not just uh, I'm looking for begonias. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) How often does that happen? All right. All right. Well, um, but uh, so again, back to kind of understanding this. I, I, what I hear you kind of saying is you almost have to see users in the wild, not not imagine what they might be doing. What's what's a good way to pull in that voice of the customer or user? How do you conduct this kind of research? What are some quick and dirty, cheap ways to do that? Well, one of the things you don't want to do is watch them use your website because your website <laughs> is already already known problem, right? So. Uh, what you want to do is try to watch them in some type of metaphor or analog situation. Now, with Pro Flowers, for instance, uh, what you could do is instead of watching people buy flowers online, you you go in and watch people buy flowers at a flower shop, or you know, like some of the supermarkets have flower stands there, and think just watch people and listen to them, and that's when you start to recognize, you know, how much they know and how much they don't know. Guys don't go in and say, I need a bouquet with tiger lilies, uh, fleur-de-lis, and some baby tears, and some fern. No, they say, I need to say, I'm sorry, I forgot our anniversary. <laughs> okay, well, you know, you're, you're, uh, um, there's a company out of England that uh, they've both spoken at, at our conversion conference, uh, conversion rate experts, uh, Carl Blanks and... Uh, also Ben Jessen, and they're big fans of going out into the field and observing people in the wild. In fact, uh, Carl, who's happily married, as I understand it, uh, signed up for an online dating site, much to the chagrin of his wife, just to to see what the user experience was like. Uh, So he's tried to put himself into the role of somebody actually setting up a profile and uh, trying to get dates. Uh, So 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 basically try to go where people are that are interested in that kind of task and and observe how they behave and i think one of the things you'll quickly learn is that uh they know a lot less than you think that's right that's right um you know so for somebody like who has a um a t-shirt website you know where you can make t-shirts instead of watching people you know buy t-shirts online go to the uh carnivals or the flea markets where people can say yeah can you print up a t-shirt for me and watch how people do that and you'll learn that they know very little, and it's they're actually getting information from the person who's printing up the T-shirt, and that's how they're learning. So remember, we talked about the funnel. The first stage is all about learning. The second stage is now that I know what I didn't know before, I'm much more aware. Now yeah. I'm creating now a it's different... so selecting contenders. That's right. I'm starting to make a short list of now I know what a good service provider or product provider looks like, what a good product looks like. So now I have these three that are my short list. Then now I'm com- ready to take an action. No, now you're comparing. and you, That's Now right. you have to fi- zero in on the best of the alternatives, and then you're ready to act, hopefully, with one of them. Well, good, Larry. I know we could talk for hours, and I'd love to have you back, but unfortunately, we're up on our time. Uh, if people want to reach you, uh, follow you on Twitter or email you, are you going to be at any upcoming shows? Uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? 
Well, actually, I'm going to be at the Conversion Conference in New York, and I'm going to be um, pairing up with uh, Lance Loveday, so that'll be interesting. And uh, they can check my website, uh, www, obviously, intuitivedesign.com. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at UXStrategy. UX strategy at UX strategy. Well, terrific. Thanks, Larry. You'll definitely see you in New York City in October, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Thanks, Tim. This has been your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Stay tuned again next time for more thought-provoking interviews with conversion thought leaders. <laughs>